Well, today we uh, return uh, to our study of the book of Hebrews, which has brought us uh, to that great hall of fame of faith uh, in chapter 11. Uh, this morning, uh, we will conclude the message I began two weeks ago entitled, Lessons on Faith from the Life of Moses. It is important to remember that the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who were facing severe persecution under the Roman emperor Nero. And as a result, they were struggling with the cost of following Christ. Since following Christ could bring imprisonment or torture or even cost them their lives, they had grown weary. They had grown very frightened about living in a society that was hostile to Christianity. They were in a crisis of faith. They had come to a crossroads of decision. In the face of persecution, would they retreat in fear and unbelief? Or would they press forward in faith, in obedience to Christ, regardless the cost that had to be paid. To encourage the Hebrew believers to remain faithful to Christ, the author presents in chapter 11 a list of Old Testament characters who, when challenged with great adversity, or often seemingly impossible situations, they did not cave in, they did not retreat, but they placed their faith in God and endured faithfully for him. And one of the primary examples is Moses in verses 23 through 27, where we are looking at three lessons on faith. So let's read these verses uh, together. I'll begin at verse 23, Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll read through verse 27. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. So let's begin with a review of what we've already covered. And the first lesson that we see here is faith's valor. Faith's valor that was expressed by Moses' parents. Look again at verse 23. By faith Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, the historical background is found in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And in Stephen's rehearsal of Israel's history in Acts 7, verses 17 through 21. Now, I'll, just let me go ahead and mention here. Since, since we have already begun this message two weeks ago, 
I dealt pretty extensively with the historical background to this uh, passage. So I will not take the time to do that again uh, this morning. But the valor of uh, faith expressed by Moses' parents is summarized in the next statement in your notes. Moses' parents demonstrated their faith in God as the final authority. They demonstrated their faith in God as the final authority when they disobeyed Pharaoh's command, which was contrary to the laws of God. Moses' parents disobeyed the king's command to kill all the male babies, knowing that this was contrary to God's law, but also knowing that if they were found out, it would cost them their lives. And notice the verse says, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, this does not mean they did not have a battle with fear. They were human. But bottom line, they looked right into the face of death, and they said, we will not give in to fear. We will not kill our son to save our lives. Fear of death will not control us because we are confident that what God promises to those who die following him is far much better than anything the world can offer to those who avoid risk to save themselves. Another way to put it is they simply what? They feared God more than they feared man. The valor of faith by Moses' parents had tremendous implications for the Hebrew believers who were being commanded to acknowledge the Roman emperor as their final authority or lose their lives. As I mentioned two weeks ago, the Romans did not care what God you worshipped as long as you acknowledged that Caesar was your ultimate and final authority and that you would give to Caesar your undivided allegiance. All you had to do was go into a Roman temple, burn a little incense, and say three little words, Caesar is God. And you were good to go from the Roman government's perspective, but to do so was to deny the lordship of Christ in the Christian faith. Look at the next section in your notes. When Jesus said in Matthew 22, 21, 21, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, it is not, as you see there in your notes, God and Caesar, as if they are on the same plane. No, it was and will and always will be what? God and what? Caesar. In other words, Caesar, the government, all earthly authority lies below God. There's no authority that exists that has not been delegated by God. So no person, the next statement in your notes, no person, authority, or government ever has the right to command what is contrary to God's laws. And if they do, it is the duty of the Christian to disobey. Faith in God often calls us to stand alone in obedience to God's truth regardless of the consequences. So no person, no authority, no government ever has the right to command what's contrary to God's laws. And if they do, it is our duty as believers to disobey, to stand alone. And as difficult as it was, the Hebrew believers were called 
like Moses' parents, to look right into the face of death and not give in to fear, but to remain loyal to Jesus, even though persecuted, even though it may cost them their lives, knowing that for to me to live is what? Christ, but to die is what? Gain. Look at the second lesson we learn from Moses' faith. Faith's values. Again, the historical background you see there in Exodus 2 and Exodus 7, which we already uh, covered two weeks ago. But like the persecuted believers to whom the book of Hebrews was written, Moses had his own crisis of faith. He also came to a crossroads of decision. Moses was the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter heir to the throne of the greatest empire in the world. All the world's wealth, power, and pleasure were his simply by accepting his identity as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses was born a Hebrew, an heir by faith to God's covenant promises. Which path would he choose? Would he be Pharaoh's son or would he be God's son? And look at the choice Moses made. First, Moses turned his back to worldly prestige to follow God's plan. Moses turned his back to worldly prestige to follow God's plan. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, beloved, please notice. Faith involves a refusal. It involves a renunciation of worldly values to follow God. In other words, inherent in, re- in faith is repentance. Faith always involves turning away from something to something. I turn away from the world. I turn away from sin. I turn away from selfishness to follow Jesus Christ. That is at the very essence of faith. In Mark 8, Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That is not a call to discipleship. That is a call to conversion. That's not the deeper Christian life. That's where we begin. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself. There's that renunciation. There's that refusal. There's that repentance. And take up his cross and what? Turn and follow me. And then he goes on and says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? But Moses not only turned his back on worldly prestige, follow God's plan but look at the next point in your notes Moses chose to endure suffering with God's people than to enjoy sin for himself Moses chose to endure suffering with God's people than to enjoy sin for himself look at verse 25 it says choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin Notice, 
Faith not only involves a renunciation of worldly values, but it also involves a choice to endure ill treatment before you would ever compromise with sin. Before you would ever compromise your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, why would Moses or anyone choose the path of suffering over the easy street of compromise? Well, would you please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter 4. I want to make this uh, correlation. 1 Peter chapter 4. And the reason I have you turn to Peter is because Peter was encountering the same persecution the believers in the book of Hebrews were facing. Matter of fact, it was during Nero's persecutions that Peter was tortured and he was killed for his faith in Christ. Tradition says that Peter first watched his wife be crucified. And as she was being crucified, he encouraged her with the words, Remember the Lord. Peter then pleaded to be crucified upside down because he felt he was not worthy to be crucified in the manner in which his Lord was crucified. See, Peter understood. When faced with persecution, we have a choice. We can take the path of least resistance. We can follow the crowd to avoid the suffering. Or we can be obedient to God and suffer the ridicule, suffer the slander and the mistreatment. Remember, it was Peter who also denied Christ, not once but three times. Look at 1 Peter 4. Look at the first two verses. Peter wrote, at this point, as an old warrior of faith, bearing the wounds of Christ, soon to be crucified for Christ. He says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You say, what does he mean by that? He's saying if a person is willing to suffer, if a person is willing to be persecuted before he would compromise his relationship into Christ by sinning, that demonstrates that Jesus is the supreme beauty and wonder and love of that person's life. And that he is committed to remain faithful no matter the cost. And then it says, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now, the key phrase, and you may want to just circle it, is the phrase, arm yourselves. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. In the Greek, the word is hoplitso, which was used, and I find this fascinating. This word was used of a Greek soldier putting on his armor and taking up his weapons in preparation for battle. In other words, a follower of Jesus Christ must accept the reality that living in this world, we are living in enemy territory and we will be attacked. It is inescapable. That is why Paul said, all, all who live godly will what? Suffer persecution. Therefore, we must arm ourselves with the attitude and commitment 
of a soldier going into battle, willing to die if necessary to complete the mission. That's what every believer is called to do. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great Bible teacher, wrote this. He said, not to realize that you are in a conflict means one thing only, and it is that you are hopelessly defeated. You do not even know it. You are unconscious. It means that you are completely defeated by the devil. Anyone who is not aware of a fight and a conflict in a spiritual sense is in a drugged and hazardous condition. Now look at the next question in your notes. I thought this would be good just to touch on briefly. Why? Why is the persecution of believers inevitable living on planet earth? Why is conflict with the world inescapable for a follower of Christ? And many other reasons could be stated, but I believe there are two fundamental reasons. And the first one there in your notes, the Christian belief that there are universal moral absolutes, that there are moral absolutes rooted in God's character and revealed in God's word that all men will be held accountable to God for. The Christian belief that there are universal moral absolutes that are rooted in God's character, revealed in God's word, for which all men will be held accountable for. This is in direct opposition to a secular society which says, and notice this quote by Francis Schaeffer, this captures the very essence of the culture in which we live today. The only absolute allowed is the absolute insistence that there are no absolutes. That's the day in which we live. The only absolute allowed is the absolute insistence that there are no absolutes. Therefore, there can be no toleration of Christians who possess an absolute by which society and its actions can be judged. As Jesus said, men hated the light, they love the darkness, and they would not come to the light lest their deeds be reproved. Therefore, their desire is to snuff out the light, snuff out the source of conviction, so that they are free to do whatever they please in rebellion to God. The second primary reason, it is inescapable for us to know conflict in this world, is the exclusivity of Christ. In other words, that Christ is the only way to heaven. That there is no other road that leads to heaven. That it is true when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And men do not want to bow the knee to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to submit to His authority and to serve His purposes and to receive the infinite mercy that he's extending through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, going back to 1 Peter 4, Peter also talks about the blessings that come from suffering for Christ. He gives the reasons why a believer would choose to suffer before he would compromise his relationship with Christ. In verse 12, Peter refers to suffering as God's refining fire 
to prove the authenticity of our faith and purify our lives. Look at verse 12. He says, Beloved, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you, notice, for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Folks, if you ever want to separate the sheep and goat, just let the persecution come. Persecution like nothing else, suffering like nothing else, provides the opportunity for authenticity in the Christian faith to be demonstrated. The person that truly has seen the infinite value, beauty of Jesus Christ and counts him worthy of allegiance, worthy of obedience, regardless the cost, will not compromise, will follow, even in the midst of the struggle. But those who merely possess or profess but do not possess, when persecution comes, they'll run. They'll deny him. Look in verse 13, where Peter says, Suffering draws me closer to Christ. And not only draws me closer to Christ, but it produces for me eternal rewards and glory. He says, But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, he says, Keep on rejoicing. He says, Rejoice. In the midst of your suffering, rejoice in persecution. Why? So that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. So another reason a believer would choose to suffer rather than compromise his relationship with Jesus is because that very suffering takes me into an intimacy with Christ that I would never know otherwise. And not only an intimacy with Christ, but as I'm faithful, it gives me the opportunity to earn eternal rewards and glory, eternal rewards and glory. And then in verse 14, Peter says, Suffering takes me deeper into the ministry of the Holy Spirit so that the very light of Jesus shines through me in the midst of the suffering. Look at verse 14. He says, If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the Spirit of glory and of God rests Upon you. Now, going back to Moses, why did he choose suffering before compromising his faith in God? Look at the next point in your notes. Moses concluded the heavenly reward for suffering the world's reproach for following Christ is greater than all the treasures this world can offer. That's what he concluded. Moses concluded the heavenly reward for suffering. The world's reproach for following Christ is greater than all the treasures this world can offer. Look at verse 26. He says, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking for the reward. The reason Moses turned his back on worldly prestige to follow God's plan, the reason he chose to endure suffering with God's people instead of enjoying sin for himself is that he saw the surpassing value of Jesus Christ and the reward that he offers, the eternal reward. Now, the key word in verse 26 is the word considering. You might want to circle that word, considering. Very first word in verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches in the treasures of Egypt, for he's looking for the reward. The word is hegemai in the Greek. This word 
means to bring to something careful thought. Now listen, this is important. The word implies careful thought, not a quick decision, but a weighing of the pros and cons. In other words, when Moses came to that crossroads of decision, when he came to that crisis of faith, am I going to be the son of Pharaoh or am I going to follow the path of being the son of God? What he did, he looked down the two roads to consider where each would lead him. He weighed what Egypt offered him over against what God offered him. And what was his conclusion? His conclusion was the road of compromise. Yes, it will lead to the enjoyment of all that Egypt has to offer. But it will only be temporary and it will lead to damnation. But the road of suffering with God's people as God's son would lead what? To eternal reward. To lasting reward that could never be taken away from him. And as a result, and we praise God for this, as a result, instead of looking at Moses today in a dried up mummy in a museum, we're looking at him in what? God's great hall of fame of faith. Because when he hit his crisis of faith, when he came to that crossroads of decision, he considered the options. He weighed the pros and cons, and he followed God. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12? Listen, he said, blessed, happy, content are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad. In other words, you just throw a party. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. That suffering produces for you an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now the believers to whom the book of Hebrews was written, they were facing persecution. They were at a crossroad of decision. Think about the implications of this on their lives as they read this. Would, would they follow the example of Moses? Would they remain faithful to Christ in the face of of persecution, would they endure the suffering, suffering, looking to their eternal reward? Or would they deny Jesus to escape the suffering? Would they compromise their faith to make things easier? And beloved, every day, you and I come to forks in the road. Every single day. One road leads to Egypt. One road leads to everything the world has to offer. All the passing pleasures of sin. And the other road, which is always the hard and narrow road, 
leads to Jesus. Leads to eternal reward. And the decision, the decision you make reveals what you value most. So like Moses, my admonition to you is consider carefully the decision. Because I believe if you do, like Moses, you will choose to follow Christ. As Jim Elliott, the missionary who lost his life following Christ said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Look at the third and the final lesson that we learn about faith from the example of Moses, and that's faith's vision. Again, the historical background found in Exodus 2 and Acts 7. But look at verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now this is an interesting verse because when you read the historical account, it literally says, and I quote, Moses was afraid. While here, in verse 27, it says, not fearing the wrath of the king. Now, I believe what appears at first to be a contradiction is easily reconciled. Yes, Moses became afraid. Just like we experience fear when our lives are in danger. I mean, that's just the frailty of humanity. When we are in danger, it's inevitable that you're going to experience fear, and especially when your life is in danger. Hebrews 11.27 gives us the secret on how to overcome fear. By faith, we look to Him who is invisible. We look to God. As we've talked previously in, in, uh, in our study of Hebrews, we look to God. And we weigh the impossibility of our circumstances over against the impossibility of God breaking His Word. And then I make the decision, I'm going to go with God, knowing that He will be faithful, knowing that He will be true, knowing that I can count on Him in life or in death. I'm a winner with God. This passage is not in your notes, but if you want to jot the reference down, it, it, it captures the essence of what I'm trying to convey, convey, uh, convey in a very beautiful way. It's Psalm 56. Psalm 56. Let me just share with you verses 3 and 4. This is Psalm of David. Psalm 56. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. This psalm was written when David was being persecuted by Saul and he was being hunted down like an animal to be killed out in the wilderness living hand to mouth, which went on for years and years and years. And this is what David wrote. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Do you see that? Here David is. His life is in danger. He acknowledges, I'm afraid. But what did he do in his fear? 
He let it turn him to God in faith. He let it turn him to God's word, to put his trust in God's word. And as he did, then he was able to say, I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? See, all fear is, is the absence of God. It's when we lose sight of God. We get so focused on the circumstances, we get so focused on the difficulty, we get so focused on the adversity or the persecution that it distracts us from the fact that God is a present reality in our lives. And the secret to overcoming fear is to put God into the crisis, to turn our eyes to Him who is invisible, and to trust His integrity to keep His word. Look at the last statement in your notes. Faith overcomes fear by looking beyond circumstances to see Almighty God, confident God will keep His promises. Faith lives in the hope that the best is ahead and keeps reaching for it. And that is why those who walk in faith not only look back, believing the history about Christ, but look forward, making history for the glory of Christ. And folks, don't you want to be one of those that makes history for Jesus? And I pray, I pray God will give us the faith here at Edgewood Baptist to do deeds of valor in the cause of Christ, motivated by the surpassing value of Christ and His reward and consumed with the vision of the invisible God for whom nothing is impossible. Remember how Hebrews 11 opened? Faith is the assurance of things what? Hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So I pray this morning that God would teach us through the faith of Moses. And we will exercise that faith. To know faith's valor, values, and vision. Father, thank you for your truth today. Thank you for the challenge of your truth. Father, this is a timely message. We are increasingly uh, living in a society that is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. Becoming hostile to the moral absolutes of your scripture. Whether it be the sanctity of human life. Whether it be traditional marriage. Lord, we're living in a society where Christians are being misrepresented to try to create intolerance to the faith. And Father, the heat's being put on. The pressure is being put on. And Lord, we could easily, very quickly, get to the day where we would be called upon to disobey laws that are contrary to your laws and to stand alone regardless the cost. So Father, open our eyes to see the infinite value, beauty, and worth of Jesus. Let us not forget that Jesus died on a Roman cross. He was persecuted, tortured, killed. But he went voluntarily, laying down his life 
to pay for the penalty of our sin. And he rose again, Lord of all, worthy of our attention, worthy of our affections, worthy of our allegiance. And so, Father, give us that grace that as we come after Jesus, we would deny self, we would take up the cross, and that we would follow him in light of who he is, in light of what he has done for us, to express our love, to express our appreciation, to express our adoration, our worship. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. As the invitation is extended this morning, I can't imagine that there would be any person in the sanctuary that is not faced with a challenge. Most of you here are believers. Let me just ask you, right now are you in some crisis of faith? Have you come to a crossroads of decision? Maybe you're being tempted to embrace sin. Maybe God's calling you to step out in faith to get involved in some ministry or, or maybe step out in faith and share Christ with a co-worker or with a family member or a classmate. And I pray God would use this message to give you the grace, to give you the courage like Moses to step out in faith and not to follow that road of compromise but that road that leads to Christ and his reward. And also for believers, as I mentioned, we live in a day and age that's becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. I think we're at that point where every believer needs to put that stake down to make that decision. I don't know what the future holds, but Lord, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to follow you regardless the cost. I'm going to trust you to give me the grace to endure suffering if called upon and to turn again from that easy street of compromise. Now we can only do that by God's grace. We can only do that as God's spirit works. But it requires us cooperating with him we see that in Moses' life, he considered, he weighed the options, the pros and cons. It was a very deliberate, intentional decision, which led him to make the best decision. It's the wisest decision in light of the eternal reward. And then if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, you've never surrendered your life to him. I'm so thankful that you heard this message. Because so often in our society and within our churches, there's a very easy believism that's that's preached, that's taught. As if you could just come to Jesus, receive eternal life, and then you can just live as you please. Folks, that's not true. It's unbiblical. Salvation is a gift. The gift is Jesus Christ. A gift of grace that God offers. Jesus who died for the penalty of your sin and as Savior and rose again as Lord. Salvation is receiving Jesus for who he is. And you cannot divide him. You can't say, oh yeah, I want that Savior part in a home in heaven. But oh, no, not Lord. I'm not going to bow my knee. 
See, authentic Christianity is a presentation of Jesus in his fullness. Whereas a person comes to Christ and receives that gift, there's that total and absolute surrender of one's life to him. So if you do not know the Lord Jesus, I would encourage you this very day to make your heart his home, to invite him in, not only to save you from your sins, but to take control of your life, to deny self, and to follow him. So I trust everyone will be responding. I will be here at the front. If anyone has a decision of any public nature, you would like to come and make a public profession of faith. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Possibly you've been visiting the church, and God's leading you to unite with our church family. Come now. This is our first step in receiving new members, and it would be our joy to receive you, to begin to express our love and appreciation, and to take you down that path to full uh, membership. So as the invitation is extended, let's all respond to what God has spoken today. Please stand.